Log Talk Radio. Black free thinkers, where we walk by sight with a bright flashlight to illuminate night. Free thought, we don't walk by faith in a lost mind state, cause it's not quite safe. We don't recruit, we're not peers from a church, so don't be spooked, we're not here to convert. The only truth that's not pulled from a text, show me proof that's not good after death. This is the challenge to think for yourself, break it out of the bottle and speak what you felt. 310982 4273 to get through A venue for community and this is the zone If you'd like to speak with Kim then pick up the phone 310-982-4273 to get through The next tree branch is Rainer and it's best you listen to Reason, science, and skepticism It's loaded with straight facts inspiring and dope She can make Bill Nye retire with lab coat Humans are hilarious and every other Friday I'd like to hear commentary on culture people So I hit up Super Mario and bring in Emmeline To discuss why we're capable of ultra evil It's normal for my brain to have a two-way street But if there's collisions, well then you got to just mention it and don't be afraid of where the truth may lead Ignoring your position of cognitive dissonance When Father Teresa preaches, it's hard to stop So Kim paired me up with Alfred in the barbershop I have a sin family and all these places now As the free thought tree pollinates around yeah. This is the challenge to think for yourself Break it out of the bottle and speak what you felt 310-982-4273 to get through A venue for community and this is the zone If you'd like to speak with Kim then pick up the phone 310-982-4273 to get through Where we walk by sight with a bright flashlight to illuminate night We don't walk by faith in a lost mind state cause it's not quite safe Yo, guess what? Friday, what? y'all. <laughs> and an, another Friday. Yep. I mean, Hello, it, world. <laughs> I mean, this is, you know, this is the day that, you know, you look forward to. I mean, forget Christmas. I look forward to every damn Friday, especially every other Friday. Can I get to talk with him? And all you nice, lovely people out there, how y'all? Yay! <laughs> you know, uh, want want to banter something. You know, banter a few things back and forth with you um, before we get into the the meat of the whole situation. You know, I'm kind of a little annoyed by all the uh, uh, the uh, all the uh, goofing off and picking on the guy. All right, apparently, you know, there were three girls who had been kidnapped a long time ago, and the guy found, uh, was able to help um, free those those, girl, those those girls and everything who are now women. That's how long they had been kidnapped, you know what I'm saying, how long they had been in custody and everything or whatever with this maniac or whatever, however they went. But, you know, I'm just seeing that a lot of joking on the guy because of how he speaks and how he looks and stuff like that and, I just think that you know. Yeah, I feel sorry for poor Charles Ramsey. It's very, it's very unnecessary and kind of petty to be yeah. just fixated on that instead of what he did. Right. I'm like, if 
you didn't raise a finger to congratulate the man for uh, 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 for saving these people. Yet you're jumping down, you're jumping on his back for not being what you think he should be or whatever. I don't know. I just think that's just that crabs in the barrel barrel routine shit. Man. You know, it's kind of some bullshit. Um, I mean, I, I think it's just we've reached a point, well, not reached, but this illustrates that we have long been at a juncture in um, American popular culture where it is it is perfectly acceptable and even um, and even assumed that it's perfectly fine to make a mockery of a black person. And we've seen it all the time. Um, with black people in the news, um, I really believe that the situation would be different if he weren't a black man. But you know, it is what it is, and I don't think those girls um, cared what his race or ethnicity was when he saved them after they were held hostage for ten years. So nobody else should care either. Right. Right. I just, you know, I just had to get that off my chest because you know I haven't really said much about it. Uh, too much because, you know, I didn't think that, uh, you know, too many things need to be said, you know, but yeah, I just, I, you know, I've been looking at it, you know, and looking at what, you know, the people clowning on the guy, and I'm like, okay, so he doesn't sound like the most educated pe- person, and, and then the media, and then the media, you, got, you just got to love the media, how they, you know, it's, they, hey, never mind the fact that he saved three three young women who were in Captured by this maniac, and they they bring up all his old shit. Yeah, this is what he used to do, and this is what he got locked up for. And you know what I'm saying? I'm like, the fuck does that have to do with the fact that he saved these women? That's what I want to know. Mm-hmm. You know, it's you know, it just irritated me, man, for real. Okay, before we get too derailed by this, tonight's topic is the omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent paradox. Um. Not only is this a paradox from a philosophical um, point of view, but um, in Scripture, especially with the Abrahamic religions and specifically the one we'll be tackling tonight, um, Christianity, using the Bible as reference, um, God says and does a lot of things to make you doubt that he has all of these um, characteristics. Um, You know, there are so many things that he says and does that are very questionable as to whether or not this is truly a a godlike entity speaking. So, uh, which should we tackle first? Um, Why don't we just both go ahead with the things that we know from memory? Because I know you were raised uh, as a Jehovah's Witness, and I was raised as a Catholic, so we we can think of a few things between us just from memory that were kind of like a what the fuck moment. Yeah, um, there, um, you know, one of the the, the biggest things to me um, that I remember was the Ten Commandments: "Thou shalt not kill." Mm-hmm. And then, next thing I know, I'm reading about. Oh, okay, well, and he massacred a shitload of people in Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, it's like, okay, well, um, yeah. Well, that's um, that's a contradiction in character, but that doesn't really negate the things that he, the powers that he has or the abilities that he's supposed to have. Yeah, I'm just, you know, it, it just it just really trips me out because to me the thing about it is is that 
an ultra powerful being will have a better idea have a better idea of the things that should and should not be done and everything. Like if your only way that you can resolve the situation going on in these two cities is to nuke them, then you know that that really flies in the face of all the powers that you have, especially since all these things supposed to be within your little plan or whatever. Um, you know, apparently there's supposed to be a plan here. Every time you look around, you hear someone talking about well, God has a plan. God knows all. Well, if he knows all, then he would have, I mean, that, everything happens, the way everything happens is almost that like he did not know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of my biggest, um, you know, red flags was the whole omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent situation is um, very early on in the Bible, um, when, right after um, Adam and Eve had eaten of the forbidden fruit, and then um, they hear God calling them, and they go to hide because they're ashamed of their nakedness. And God asks, where are you? And it's like, dude, you don't know? Mm-hmm. You know, you're supposed to know where they are and why they're hiding. And even before that, you should have known that they were going to eat of the forbidden fruit. If you really love them, you would mm-hmm. that temptation from them. I mean, if I had That's a child true. who I knew for a fact, if I left the house that day, they would set the house on fire, I wouldn't leave the house that day. It's just that simple. Um, what bothers me a lot about the story is that it's as if God wanted them to mess up. And I don't mean just because of all the things that happened afterward, but for the singular fact that the tree of life had an angel with flaming swords guarding it. Now, I don't understand what what, what they would have needed with the, with the tree of life since they already had eternal life. However, the tree of knowledge, the tree whose fruit that they were forbidden to eat, had absolutely no one guarding it. And it's like, you're, it's almost like you're daring them to go eat that fruit. I mean, I'm not mm-hmm. I can already see what a huge temptation that would be. It's there. You said not to eat it. There's no one watching it whatsoever. Like, that just sounds wrong. And as for the state of life being guarded, who is it being guarded from? I'm an even the only people there. What turns me out is that, you know, about that is when it says that God walked into the garden, which I don't know why, but I remember reading that in the kid, as a kid. It's shortly after they had eaten the fruit, and um, apparently they had put on some, some bear skins or something like that to hide their nakedness, and he walks into the garden, which freaked me out because I'm thinking of a God walking into the garden. And then he asked them what they were up to and whatnot. And, you know, I always thought that was funny because shouldn't you know? And the way he reacts to it is, oh, well, I told y'all not to eat from this fruit and everything, you did it anyway, get out. You know, like, but if you, I mean, if if a God knows all, and he knows everything, first of all, if he's, uh, um, if he's omnipresent, then why did he have to walk into the garden to find out what they were doing? And, you know, and if he's omniscient, yeah, I'm, I know I'm pronouncing that wrong, but get off my behind about it. You know, if he's omniscient, then then he would know that, first of all, there's no need for a tree, for the tree to begin with. Why would you put the tree in the garden and tell them not to eat from it? I always hear from a lot of Christians that, um, you know, God put the tree there to test them. But 
on the game. Who is being, you know, why does he need to test them? You know exactly how everyone is going to react in any given situation. There's no need for any test whatsoever. Yeah, see, that, that that is another thing that trips me out. There's always the need for all these tests and everything. You know, as a, as a powerful being that you know, you're, you, if anything, you know your creator, your creation is better than any, anybody else does. You know what I'm saying? If you build something from scratch, you know the integral parts of that thing. You know how it works. So if anybody knows who's going to be up with it, it's you. So why the hell do you have to keep testing it? You know, especially a being, the being, you know, a, a human being and stuff like that. What is the point of the test? What are, what are you confirming? If you already know, then you already know the outcome of the test. And what are you doing? I'm just doing it for the hell of it, well, like Abraham. There, there are a lot of times in the Bible where God does things seemingly from boredom. Um, yeah. The, the story of Lot is a huge. Um, oh, that's cool. Huge buddy. display of that. Um, where he's just like, you know what? I'm bored. Let's just play this game. Let's just let's just screw with this guy's life and see how he reacts to it. Um, I know he's not yeah. going to do anything, but I need to prove it to Satan because I have this um, have this rampant inferiority complex and machismo that, that, that needs to be satisfied. What you know, the the problem I have with Satan as an adversary because it makes little sense that. All right, God created his own adversary, first of all. You know, you got to deal with that. Again, Right. And then his adversary knows that he was created by this being that is much more powerful than him, and yet yet, I'm supposed to believe that he is smart enough to trick mankind into all kinds of shit or at least be a voice that encourages mankind in all kinds of shit. And yet he doesn't know that if he... That, that the being he is tempting or trying to go against is way more powerful than him. If anything, but Satan should know that uh, that Job know. If anything, Satan should know that Job is uh, is not going to change his mind, or that God knows that Job is not going to change his mind. Therefore, the bet is pointless. It, yeah, but it's, it doesn't matter. They both need something to do. And as far as Satan is concerned, um, I got to give him kudos for for being a better. Um, being than God, um, it seems that a lot of times um, God does some does things with no end game, but Satan usually has a reason for the things that he does. Um, and you know, I've never saw Satan as such a bad guy, but God is a bad guy, so it's it's clear how they could be enemies. <laughs> yeah, Satan is Satan is one of the most interesting adversaries I've ever. Uh, read about, you know, and, you know, I read a lot and everything, but it, it just seemed like Satan is like, was like one of the most, I don't know, he just, he just, to me, the, the idea of Satan was interesting anyway. You can't have a hero unless you have a villain anyway, so I guess that, that that's how that whole thing works. Yeah. Um, another, another scene in the Bible where God proved, had proven himself not to be neither omniscient, omnipresent, or omnipotent was it the story of um, Jonah. He sent Jonah over to the Ninevites um, to convert them, um, to see what they were about and to convert them. And it's like, why do you need to send him? What is he able to do that you cannot do? Why don't you just go down to them yourself? You should be more powerful than him. 
And you should be already there understanding how these people work and how their minds operate. And what and he should have known that Jonah was going to refuse. Um, the whole issue with the whale was complete BS. Assuming that a person could live three days undigested in the belly of a large um, marine animal, um, why was that even necessary? I mean, there were so many times when Moses doubted the things that God wanted to do. Other people that didn't want to do what God said, they weren't swallowed up. Like, this is a little bit extreme. Just a little bit. That That is uh, that is that's such an interesting thing because I just thought, I mean, first, a, a man living for three days in the belly of another organism. You know, one of the things, one of the things they use to try to, try to scapegoat this whole thing or get around all these loopholes is to say that some of these stories are just allegories or just meant to illustrate a point or what have you, you know. And um, I'm like, okay, then. Well, then how do you decide which one is which one is supposed to be taken literal and which one is supposed to be just purely, purely allegory and everything? Well, if you can take a lead, whichever one you choose to be real and which one is just a story, then any of these stories could be real or fake. The problem is that when people, a lot of people who staunchly believe in the Bible take all this stuff for being truthful in one way or another. And because they do take it as being truthful, I have to approach it as though it's truthful. Mm-hmm. Or because, or or I have to attack it as though, well, you know, you know that doesn't make any sense at all, right? You know, because... Joe, I mean, I mean, come on, man. I mean, that that was just, you know, how can you worship a being that sets up his own, his best worshiper? I mean, the guy that he says is one of his best followers, most staunch followers, that he just sets that guy up. Yeah, torture that guy and kill his entire family. Take all his shit. Take all of it. Kill all his kids, man. Do all that shit. Do what you need to do. I bet you he ain't going to change his mind. And he didn't. The point is, you know, he, he replaced his kids. How the hell do you replace a man's kid? How do you um, replace an entire family? He gave him, you know, those seven, he gave him 17 new kids, and apparently that was enough to make him forget the old kids. Um, I'm not a parent, but I would, I believe from the parents that I've met and just, you know, human empathy and common sense that, you can never replace the love that you have for a child and never forget the love that you have for a child. Um, right. Another huge, huge paradox in the Bible was um, in Judges when um, the Lord was with Judah. He drove out the inhabitants of the mountain, but he could not drive out the inhabitants of the valley because God. they had chariots of iron. Because right. apparently iron is God's kryptonite. Iron is too hard for God. So not only does he create his own adversary, he creates his own weakness. I'll let you think about that for a second. Yeah, I mean, when you read things like that, you're thinking to yourself, this sounds like a person, because iron is a very strong metal. But I'm speaking from the perspective of a mortal human being. It shouldn't be hard for, for God. You created it. You can break it. Right, but um, you know that's that's God for you as as um portrayed by Christianity. Another huge um problem that God seemed to have 
is that um, he didn't know when people were going to do, like, really messed up things. Um, God was always with um, with Jacob, for instance. Now, anyone who's read the Bible knows that it's, it says that, you know, Jacob had a twin brother named Esau. They were fraternal twins. And they were born to Rebecca and Isaac. And what ended up happening was that Esau was the father's favorite and Jacob was their mother's favorite. And Esau was older, and his father, he had, you know, the birthright, and his father had a special blessing for him when he was, he came in from the fields because he was a tiller of the land, starving, and about to pass off from Paris. His brother, instead of promptly giving him this, you know, water to drink and something to eat, um, had him sell him his birthright. And then later on, he concocted a scheme with their mom to fool their blind father into giving him Esau's blessing as well, so leaving his brother with nothing. Now, later on in the Bible, this is this is after all of this stuff happens, all of this stuff goes down. It says in the Bible, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. And that's not their mother Rebecca talking. That's God talking. He mm-hmm. actually says that. He, he, he prefers the brother who is cruel, conniving, manipulative, and who... If the, if the Ten Commandments are to be believed, clearly did not honor his father when he tricked his old blind father into giving him his brother's blessing. Mm-hmm. But you know, this is a this is a person that he favored, um, and even further on, when all this bad stuff happens to Jacob, um, you know, it's as if God keeps on um, what is, what's the word I'm looking for. God stays in his corner because um, it was from Jacob and Joseph that the, the the modern Israelites spawned. They created a whole generation around this family of, you know, really messed up people mm-hmm. where the, his brother Esau did absolutely nothing wrong but be a good brother and be a good person and be a good son. Mm-hmm. So it, it's it's sort of contradictory because God wants you to be good. He wants you to obey your parents, but apparently being an asshole, you can get a lot farther in life. Yeah, apparently so. And um, there were some things I was reading um, on this site that really tripped me out because uh, it's talking about the Bible contradictions that aren't. Like apparently this is some type of Christian re- website that kind of, tries to poke a hole in the holes that we poked into the stories. Mm-hmm. And one of the contradictions, like uh, um, God allows incest, all right? The mm-hmm. contradiction, faced with a city of homosexuals, God f- flies into a rage and blows the whole place up. Faced with his servant Lot having drunken sex with his daughters, God has no problem with it. Mm-hmm. The, the thing is, why is not? Why that's not a contradiction? Because the Sodomites tried to rape God's angels, people have used this story as evidence that God firebombed the place because he hates gay people. Only the Bible doesn't say say that. It makes it pretty clear that the people Sodom were killed for being greedy and his in his inhospitable to the poor. Mm-hmm. That sounds pretty cold blooded though, still. I mean even, all right, first of all, I mean, if I had a rich city or even like a big house, I would be very selective about who I let enter as well. 
Because when you have a lot of things, you need to be very careful of the people you have around you because they might want to take those things from you. Right. And it's like, you know, I'm just I'm just thinking, though, you know, I mean, all right, you're telling me the reason you firebombed an entire city is because the people were greedy and they were assholes? And on top okay, of, hold I on, mean, but get back to your first point. I'm still not understanding how Lot's daughter's raping him was not incest. You, you know what? I don't even get that. It doesn't even really go into that. Because the divide makes it clear that it was not consensual sex, or at least he um, he was intoxicated at the time it happened because they got him drunk. But I'm still not understanding how that's not incest, or are they trying to say that that incest was yeah, okay because they thought they were it, the last people on earth? See, it doesn't even explain that. It just really focuses on you know the the uh, Sodom, Sodom um, you know Sodom the and Gomorrah thing. Yeah, the sodomites and whatnot. It doesn't even say that. And it just it really it really tripped me out that the guy like, Oh, okay, these guys are assholes, I'm gonna firebomb the entire city. Don't worry, I'm gonna send a, a, a an angel SWAT team in to get the one family out of two cities that has something redeemable that I like and then summarily kills one of the guy's wife. No, but here's it's, the thing that I'm 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 still hung up on. These angels had come because Lot was apparently the only good person in this entire place, but they didn't speak up when he volunteered their, his daughters to be raped instead of them. They didn't say, hey, we're angels. We can defend ourselves. Stop offering they, that, I, offering not, to, be, to be sexually assaulted. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Just, you know, like you're immortal beings. All right, you'll be okay. You know, instead he's, like here, you can uh, rape my daughters, man. I mean, they're, they're okay. I mean, I mean that's a trip. Oh, uh, guess what? We got a caller. Ooh, caller. Eight oh four. Let's hear what you got to say. Talk. Hi, this is Deborah. How y'all doing? All right. How are you? Yeah, I I normally was on the Sunday call. <laughs> oh, okay, and cool. I remember. Oh yeah, y'all got a call tonight. <laughs> Yeah, I'm enjoying the conversation. You're right. Awesome. Okay. How are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm doing fine. I'm doing. I'm doing real fine. Everything is is lovely. I I never could understand um, why the daughters were offered to uh, uh, gay men. Actually, I have the answer to that. Um, it wasn't so much that the sodomites were gay, as a lot of um, Christian evangelicals will tell you, only that they lived in a culture very similar to ancient Roman character where most people were bisexual. They will sleep with anything. They wanted to sleep with these men because they were new. But Lot was saying, hey, my daughters are virgins. Um, you can sleep with them. They're brand new as well. And the reason he did that was because the... Um, ancient Hebrews valued hospitality above all else. Um, you will do anything to make your guests comfortable, and when someone is under your roof, you have to do everything in your power to make sure that they are safe and protected, even if that means apparently offering your own kid to be sexually assaulted and gang raped by a mob. That is, and that would have been you know, the only the only reason why that 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 is so dumbfounding is is in the amount of 
it, it, it takes it takes an, an immense amount of. I really, really value my religion to be like, well, God had a good reason for allowing that to happen. I really don't think there's a person living today that loves God that much. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah, I'm they, serious. Yeah. <laughs> oh, to but do why that? Would yeah. You have, why, why would you have to go that far if you got all these angels around? That's exactly what I want to know. Like, God does so so many ass-backward things, um, you know, always testing someone. The fact that he's constantly testing someone, you have the Abraham and Isaac situation. Take your son on the mountain and sacrifice him to me. I'm going to test you. Do this, blah, 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 and I'm going to test you. And then there's a story of Jephthah, who wasn't tested, who God actually allowed to sacrifice his daughter to him. Um, he took the man's daughter as currency for allowing him to win the war. He told God, if you let me win this battle, I will offer up to you the first thing that comes out of my house. It was his daughter. He gave her three months to mourn her virginity and the fact that she would die without ever having gotten to be a mother. And then he sacrificed her to the Lord because apparently God gets off on the smell of burning human flesh. That's cold, but it. You know, it's just just as cold-blooded as Oh, I always forget that guy's name that said, let my people go. Moses. Uh, Moses. Yeah, all them kids died. Mm. You know, that's cold-blooded, too. I mean, he went behind Moses' back and told the priest, you know, made the priest say, make sure he would say no. Or, I mean, there's this one um, there's this one passage also where um, water came from the rock and Moses had a slip of the tongue or I guess he was power tripping that day and he's like, look what I did. And God's like, what you did? Oh, no, you're getting ahead of yourself, mister. Just for that, I'm going to make sure you never see the promised land. And it's like, God, didn't you tell people to forgive? Like, this is a serious, ridiculous grudge right now. Like, this is, it's ridiculous. The, the, the funny part about that is, if I remember that story correctly, he kind of climbed the mountain and let him see over into the area, but told him he couldn't go over there. Yes, so, you exactly. know, Remember that, exactly that shit you did earlier? Remember that shit you did earlier? I ain't forgot yeah. about that shit, man. Fact, I'm going to dangle the carrot in front of you, but you can't come in. Yeah. It was, it was you know, really messed up. Yeah, I... You know, people die over ridiculous reasons in the Bible. You know, in, in lots of times in ridiculous ways. You know what? Um, first of all, if we all come from God, if God created us, right? Technically, we're kind of God's property since He, you know, created us and all that stuff like that. Isn't sacrificing someone to God pretty much like returning to sender? Um. Yeah, a little bit, but I mean, God did this in the Bible. I mean, this is Sir Jetta's daughter, and there's also the story of the other Rebecca, um, not not um, Isaac. I mean, not Esau and um, Jacob's mother and Isaac's wife, but another chick named Rebecca who wanted a son very badly, um, but she was barren, and all the other women made fun of her, and she told God that if He gave her a child, she would consecrate him to the Lord. And then she gave birth to Samuel. And then when he was still a small child, she pretty much gave him up to be raised by by the holy men. So she, all she really got out of it was the satisfaction of being able to hold her head high in public and say, hey, I'm not barren. I had a child. She never really got to enjoy her child. God only gave her a kid after she promised to give him back. Hmm. Wasn't that interesting? 
Like, I promise, I promise, I promise I'll give him back, and then, boom, there you go. Um, there was a story of Samson, uh, you know, um, Samson, God told Samson's mother, you know, he's going to be really, really strong. Just make sure that no razor comes near his head because that's where his strength is. And, you know, mind you, he didn't even cut his own hair. His mom didn't do it. His daddy didn't do it. He didn't do it. He was, you know, fooled by his wife. And she 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 had men come in and cut off his hair. And God punished him by taking away his strength anyway. Like, you know how he lost his hair. Why are you doing right. this? Why you couldn't give him another be? means of strength. Yeah, but what, I'm just saying that's the most absurd place to put somebody's weak spot, though. I mean, I mean, if he never cuts cuts his hair, you know. But but the fact yeah. is that God sees everything, right? So he's supposed mm-hmm. to see it, so he saw it coming. Exactly, you knew it was coming. And you, didn't you knew he was going to be taken as a hostage. And even though Samson is depicted as a shit starting machismo megalomaniac, God favored Samson because Samson, yeah. all he did was slay his enemies all day long, walk around, about you know, flaunting his strength. God showed great favor to Samson, and as far as the Bible tells us, he didn't do anything to displease God. Um, so I don't understand why God would take his strength away or not give him a means of fighting his enemies. He had to wait in that prison you know, having it, after having his eyes gouged out and wait for his hair to grow back just to get some justice and some revenge for himself. They 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 did let his hair grow back, didn't they? Yeah, they didn't notice it was growing back because he was in such a dark, tiny little cell. Like, that's how bad it was. It was so dark where he was kept, he didn't notice his hair was growing back. But, see, you know, even still, though, you know that this guy's weakness is his hair. If you know anything about hair, if you have hair, you know people who have hair, it's going to grow. So, like, you know, yeah, just let them sit there for three months and everything. You, you don't think that we maybe should check to make sure his hair has grown back? Oh, it's a lot back. longer than that because the yeah. hair had grown back to at least half the length it was before. So yeah, he might have been several years in that place. He was older. And, he was and nobody was like, blind. maybe we should check on this. Right, you know, just, no, nobody said anything. Look, this thing, you know, Hercules come running out there and destroying shit. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you know, that's what happens when you let the dude's weakness, weak spot grow back. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Was, you know, I mean, from what down- I read, Samson was the one always starting these fights. However, God was perfectly okay with the people that he was battling all the time. He didn't do anything that you had like staunchly, you know, advised against or forbidden. So why would you leave him in such a circumstance? And Samson himself, dude, like, you know, the first three times when this chick tries to get you intoxicated and cut off your hair, you should probably think, you know, I can't trust this lady. <laughs> like, maybe it's time we get a divorce. You, you know, it, it, um, what you going to say, Deborah? You know, I, thought you no, I, I, I was laughing. Go ahead. You will notice how many times a woman is the... Uh, Somebody's Achilles heel or something like that. Well, there's Jezebel, there's Delilah, there's Eve, of course, the blame of the world. You know, it, it's all her fault. Boo-hoo. Um, they had to do that. They had to do that. Actually, if you, if you read into um, the Quran and the Talmud, there are stories after Adam and Eve are expelled from the garden 
where they try to get back in God's good graces, but Eve just keeps messing up and ruining their chances. Like um, um, Adam tells her, you know, I'm going to stand in the Tigris and you're going to stand in the Euphrates for three days, and God will see our devotion and he'll let us back. And then the 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 devil or the serpent, the deceiver, comes back, whomever, comes back and tells her, hey, isn't Adam back yet? Like, what are you talking about? Don't you know? God has already forgiven you guys. Go to him. So after two and a half days, she goes running over to the Tigris, and Adam's like, what are you doing? And she's like, uh, the snake said God had forgiven us. And, of course, he hadn't. And Adam face palms, and they're still locked out of the Garden of Eden. And, you know, he tries a couple times to get back in God's good graces, but Eve keeps messing up and showcasing herself as being the dumbest human being that's ever lived. And what's sad about this is she's not Adam's first wife. Lilith, his first wife, who was his physical and intellectual equal, would not have been so stupid. But he wanted someone that he could dominate like the animals around him, and this is what, Mm -hmm. what happened as a result. That's right. And and they never see the story, you know. Like God looked down and and, and, and Adam wasn't doing what he was supposed to do, right? He he wasn't yeah. taking care of business. Now they weren't talking about having a ba- having babies at, at that on that timeline. Mm-hmm. All God was talking about that he Adam needed help. It must wasn't physical help because God could have sent a man. Mhm. He sent a woman for, like, maybe mental. He he needed help in other ways other than physical. Mm-hmm. So he could have sent a man. A man is strong. You ever, you ever did any farm work? Uh-huh. Cattle and all that. This stuff is hard work. You know? Exactly. <laughs> he could have sent a man and then sent so, a woman to have a baby. Later on. Well, exactly. And, you know, the thing about it, too, is he wasn't even, you know, tilling fields or herding animals back then. He did not live a life of labor until he was expelled from the Garden of Eden. Then that Mm -hmm. life of labor became his punishment. But if you read in the Torah, it says that before Eve came along, before he had a partner, Adam tried... um, Sexual relations with a variety of animals. It just didn't mm-hmm. suit him. Yeah. You know, it just didn't suit him. Yeah. You know, and the, the funny part about that is, you know, one, a lot of the uh, people who are anti uh, anti uh, marriage equality talk about how is Adam and Eve. You know, it was Adam, Eve was made for Adam. You know, and whatnot. Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Right. But see, the right. thing about they don't they, they, they don't they don't they don't point out is that uh, Eve was an afterthought. You know, mm-hmm. what I'm saying? you, you, just, you after just talking afterthought. <laughs> right, right. Like, you was an about, afterthought, like, but then Eve was like a huge afterthought. Like, oh, you're done with that right. one. I'll get you a new one. <laughs> right. So he didn't even have a plan for women when he first when he first created Adam. He was just, he, he was just supposed to go out there and like, hey, just name all this shit. You know what I'm saying? That's the only thing I got for you to do. You know, and it's like, and, and, and then it's like, oh, yeah, I might need to give him a woman. You know, I, it, as a matter of fact, woman wasn't even his first idea. It's like, yeah, let me, I mean, he, he tried different. He looked around and didn't find a suitable companion. That's when he's like, aha, I got an idea. So then enter and, Lilith, who also came from dirt, 
but then she was too dominating, um, too independent. So we have Eve, who is literally a part of Adam, part of his rib. And this is where the other story of of her running back, rushing back when they're supposed to be standing in these rivers and, and getting God's forgiveness really makes sense. As a part of his rib, Eve is a part of him, and you get the impression that she is meant, she's, she's emotionally bound to him. She needs to be around Adam in order to be happy. Submissive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She needs to. She needs to. She needs to always be with him at all times. And Adam is so pussy with that. So just do whatever this stupid lady wants. You, you know. Oh, eat this apple. But God said no. But you say yes, and your boobs are nice. Let me eat this apple. <laughs> I, I, I don't think you can be. I don't think you can help a person and be submissive at the same time. Yeah, because sometimes the, the what the person needs and what they want are not the same thing. Mm-hmm. And they may be you know. wrong, and you if you submissive, yeah, and they might be oh oh dear, I'm gonna I'm gonna take all our money and put it on this this track thing. Yes, baby, yes, yes, master. Yes, you know, exactly. You, and next thing you know, he loses all the money, and you're both broke. You can't be helpful and submissive right. at the same time. Speaking of contradictions, you know, I found a site that lists of several contradictions that, and a lot of these sites you can, it's pretty easy to find them. You know, the EvilBible.com has a lot of lot of them. Um, Skeptics Annotated Bible is a really good one as well. Yeah, and um, like right here, God is satisfied with His works in in uh, Genesis one thirty one. God is dissatisfied with His works in Genesis six six. How can an, I don't understand how can omnipotent being be dissatisfied with anything. You know exactly what, it need, what you need to please you, and you're omnipotent enough to get anything that you want that to please you. Right. You know what I'm saying? Um, I mean, look, look. First of all, why the hell does a god need to rest? What is he resting from? You know, I mean, it, first, I mean if he's resting from creating the world and he... First of all, I, I'm not even going to try to figure all that out. It, just, it sounds stupid that an immortal being needs to rest from anything, especially when you are the immortal being of all time. So, I'm, all right, God dwells in light, Tim, Timothy 6.16. God dwells in darkness in King, 1 Kings 8.12, uh, Psalms 18.11, Psalms 97.2. If you, you know, you, a lot of these, these things are pretty well listed. And whatnot. First, like um, one of the things you, you know, I, I consider is uh, the idea of free will, which to me is like a conspiracy theory. Is bullshit. When it comes to the Bible, there's no such thing as free will. They talk about free will. They say all this stuff about free will, but there is no free will because if you make the choice that you want to make and it goes against God, you go to hell. If there truly is free will, then there's no con- there's no consequence for not choosing to making the choice that he wanted you to make. I don't know. I don't see that as negating free will so much as the fact that God is omniscient. This is the way the omniscient, the, the, the fact that God is omniscient, that one attribute alone negates the entire idea of free will. Consider yourself. You have a decision to make. Let's say there's only two choices. You see a fork in the road. But for God, 
there there is no fork, there is no road. There is one line, one direction from the moment you are conceived to the day you die. He knows every single choice that you make. If you know what I'm going to do before I do it, that negates my free will. And then he wants to punish you for it. That's the problem with free will. You, if your creator is omniscient, you do not have free will. You cannot have free will. Well, see, the, the, and the, the, the kind of my, kind of a point and everything is that uh, um, if, you know, I, if if I put a gun to your head and I say do this or I will kill you, you have you don't really have much of a choice to make. You're only making the choices that I'm going to I'm giving you that will not end up with you being shot in the head. You are you are limiting my free will. However, right. you're putting that gun to my head with the assumption that I will obey you. You'd be very surprised if I said pull the trigger. Now God wouldn't be surprised by that because he already knows whether or not I'm going to allow you to violate me or if I'm going to say pull the trigger. And the other part of it that really messes with free will even even more than omniscience is omnipresence. God is everywhere yeah. and he is in everything including us. If you are within me and you already see my future, I am not really present in my own life. I'm just a puppet to the the whatever show you have on. Mm-hmm. Unless unless a being is truly independent of you, then they can you cannot say that you have granted them free will. Yeah. If you're in my mind and you're in my heart at all times, I am not free of you. I'm not free to make my own choices. And then when when I do exactly what you know I was going to do from the beginning, and it's not what your commandments say to do, I have to go to hell. Basically, the entire idea of an omniscient God is one that actually creates people for hell. He creates certain people knowing they'll go to hell and others knowing they'll go to heaven. Were you uh, were you going to say something, Bo? Oh, it was completely off, but it, I always think about it. Where, exactly? Have y'all found exactly where they changed from the etymology of of God? Is, is plural, mm-hmm. and and like in the beginning it said let us, and then somewhere around in there they start changing it to like he. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, um, that like is what? very common. Um, in in you know the time of the ancient Hebrews, though, they never said our God is the only God. They said our God is the better God. Yeah. And they went around killing everybody that had other gods. I don't know when in history it slowly evolved into into from my god is better to my god is the only one that exists. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I'm sure that 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 happened maybe a few decades um, before the cult of Christianity rose up, where instead of just fighting among the pagans and saying our gods are better than your gods, just just invalidate their god completely. Because even God himself says, alludes in the Ten Commandments that he's not the only God, where he says, I'm a jealous God, worship no other gods before me. Who are you Mm -hmm. jealous of? Who are these Mm -hmm. people that you don't want us to worship? Yeah. I think Zeus still has some clout about that time. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, forget what's going on in your own life and so many laws that I I could put up to protect you, like don't molest children or don't rape people. No, I'm gonna I'm just gonna tell you not to worship these other gods who shall remain nameless. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. You know, even you know the uh, the 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 Israelites who Moses was supposed to be saving. You know that 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 whole situation, and like, are you come down from the mountain? These guys, these people have made a god on the spot. If you made up the god, you already know the bullshit, but you already worshiping it. But it's, it's okay, you know, you figured that out. I mean, it makes sense to you. The problem is, dude is pissed off. He hurls the stones that were just created by God and destroys it, and then executes three thousand of the people he was saving. Mm-hmm. Well, they were idol worshippers. They had it coming, obviously. Any SWAT team I know of that goes into a building or goes into a situation to rescue the captives, if more than half of those people, if any of those people die, especially by the rescuing team, that is a failed mission. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But understand, and the Bible alludes now from the history from history, we know that the Hebrews were never slaves in Egypt. Mm-hmm. They were they were the Egyptian army, and then when the Egyptians ran out of enemies, they used the Hebrews as contracted laborers. And the problem was that they felt this work was beneath them. But there were some that said, "Hey, we are well fed, we are well taken care of, we don't want to leave." And even the Bible reports the people, some people not wanting to leave with Moses. It was only mm-hmm. after the plagues. Pharaoh was just like, please, leave, get these people out of here, just get the fuck out of my kingdom. That's what happened. You know, where he was just you know, so fed up with them, he said, all of you need to leave. Not everyone was left willingly with Moses. And understand, you know, the whole slavery thing is just a ridiculous myth because how many slaves do you know have so much gold on them that they can melt it down and make a, ca- a golden calf to worship? Thank you. <laughs> You know, uh, uh, this, this is something I thought about. All right, first of all, you send Moses in to uh, to uh, kill to, uh, to 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 Pharaoh, and pretty much you you irritate the shit out of him into letting the the, the uh, letting letting the, uh, his children people go. All right, Which irritation me is, still... is one thing, but remember, he caused all yeah, the firstborn of Egypt yeah. to die, including Pharaoh. Yeah, I was going to get to you that. crossed the line. Yeah, you know, that that was gonna, you know, that I was gonna mention that, you know, because I I think that's pretty cold blooded that you just kill innocent children and everything. But you know, you you go in there, you, you frogs and insects and balls and everything like that. You know, and you're causing nuisances at first, and then you're like, I'm gonna crank it up and that, crank it up a notch. I'm gonna send an angel I purposely purposely keep on hand for situations like this to kill the children. I finally. Okay, this is I mean, another I'm, I'm like, where God's omniscient is on uh, God's omniscient is is questioned because remember they had to put the blood mm-hmm, of the yeah. lamb on the top of the doors so that the angel of death would know to pass by that house. But a lot right. of the Hebrews didn't do it, and their firstborns died too. And it's like, what the hell, God? You know, I'm a Hebrew. Why did you kill my firstborn? The, tra- mm-hmm. the the point I was trying to get to is that. Why didn't you just kill the Pharaoh and his army then, and they can just take over the land they already inhabit it? But then that because didn't work. Because he needed so an excuse to kill him later in the Red Sea, obviously. You know, right. You, See, I was going to get to that too. You know, is that you know? All right. For, you 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 call the de- first of all, Pharaoh's <laughs> entire army is decimated by this whole Red Sea thing. There's an entire country that is defenseless right now. Mm-hmm. You still need to carry out this forty-year plan to one in the neighbor in the wilderness. 
you know what I'm saying, but, you've got to kill 3,000 of those people, and then you've got to go into a, a country that is already inhabited and have no idea their own land already promised to somebody else. But here's the problem with Pharaoh. The story of Pharaoh is an exaggerated example of what I was talking about, about free will. Every time Pharaoh was about to let these people go, he didn't change his mind. His advisors didn't whisper uh, his, his ear. The Bible clearly says God hardened his heart. You kept making it so that he wouldn't let them go, so that you exactly. could ultimately kill him later. What exactly. the hell? Let me tell you what this person had emerged to tell. This, this preach, well, preaching now. They, they weren't preaching there. So they had this, because they had this, God had to show how powerful he was. I said, if that was the case, kill him and then wake him up in two days. Mm-hmm. To me, that would be power. Mm-hmm. Some you somebody all the kids die. Two days later, they they woke up, yeah. and that's power. But to just kill kids just like anybody else. Right. It wasn't just the kids though. Remember, it was all the firstborn of the household. So you, the firstborn of the firstborn kid of the cow, the lamb, the oxen, the firstborn duck, they all died. And that's you know, and that's not the first time. It's I can't think of the child. It's in 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 the Old Testament, where 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 God made all these women in the whole whole uh, tribe um, uh, having a, a, a boy. Mhm. I can't think. Mm-hmm. Of, I can't think of the name of which chapter is it. I don't remember oh, either, but I remember clearly where um, Joshua went to war, and God told him to um, to kill everyone to take the virgins for himself and then slit the bellies of the pregnant women. Yeah, that was another one. That, 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 that was another one, too. Yeah, but God can high abortion, though. Oh, yeah, tr- truly. You know, he's, he, he doesn't he doesn't believe in that shit. Um, yeah, right. You know, one mm-hmm. thing, uh, this this thing, um, uh, this, this, that site I was on, talks about um, um, how, you know, it's not a contradiction. God does not allow incest or inbreeding. But before that, it went on. It went on to explain that Adam, you know, in Genesis four sixteen to seventeen, we hear that Cain went and got a got a wife. In Genesis five four, we hear that Adam lived eight hundred years and had enough sons and daughters to populate the planet. I don't know how I don't know how prodigious of a rate humans reproduced at that point in time. But you know, Adam and Eve had to be doing some serious fucking to repopulate the entire earth. But you know, I guess you know, eight hundred years well, you got time um, to do that. Well, Cain you know wife his sister, so I'm assuming all their kids married each other as well. Yep, 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 yep. Because no. yep. when Cain was, no. was cast out, it said he took his sister to wife. Yeah, that was. But that's that why was, he killed his brother. Yeah, that's actually the the, the the telling of the story says that oh he he got mad at his brother because God God liked his brother's offering over his. But another version of the story says that they were fighting over one of their sisters. Yeah. You yep. know, I mean, well, when you have a limited amount of women on Earth, I mean, I guess I can understand that. If he's not living in a world where there's five billion women to choose from, like your sister's the only girl around. You but do you, you know, do. even um, what's the child name? Uh, Seven Hundred Club guy. Ty Robertson. Uh, he has admitted 
that the earth is over that that it it was um you know it was more than four thousand years. Pat Robertson is not a stupid man. He is just as ignorant, bigoted, and yeah, ignorant. as he needs to be to keep his his viewers. Exactly. He's not stupid. Exactly. He knows what he's doing. He's pulling the best con in the world. He's pretending to be as dim-witted as the people who watch him. Money, money, money. <laughs> I like to watch him just to see what stupid stuff he's going to come out of his mouth next. I think the last thing that I heard Pat Robertson say was that Haiti had made a pact with the devil, and that's why they had the tsunami. And that was when I decided it would, it would be in my best interest to stop, to avoid any news about Pat Robertson. <laughs> I've been waiting for him to say something about the Bible Belt ever since he said something about Haiti. And, like, it was, what, about eight months later, it was this uh, tornado that went through the Bible Belt, and I've been waiting and waiting and waiting. He ain't said nothing about the Bible Belt. Well, supposedly God had told him Mitt Romney was going to win, and um, guess he was wrong about that. I wish God told a TV. lot of people that Romney would win. There was one dude on Fox who was saying that he was he had predicted that Romney would win by a landslide. Yeah, he was God wrong. Lied. Jesus lied to a lot of people. Um, yeah. There were a few more absurdities in the Bible, I believe. It was, um, I think one of the biggest was with Solomon. Solomon had the wisdom to figure out when those two women came to him, who was the mother of that baby and who wasn't. But then Jesus, who's supposed to be God incarnate, comes back, and he can't even tell people, you know, um, what infections and schizophrenia are. He allows mm-hmm. them to believe that they just have these horrible diseases and that they've been possessed by demons. Oh, yeah, if I may jump in here real quick, please. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, so I'm going to take it back a little bit, what you were talking about with Pat Robertson. Pat Robertson is not as naive as people try to make him out to be, and you all are absolutely correct. He is playing to his audience. He knows, you know, basically what side of the bread is buttered, if you will. Mm -hmm. And with Pat Robertson and some of these larger pastors that have these big ministries, and especially when they go to places like Africa and other third and fourth world countries, what they do is these people, they read the newspapers, they become, um, you know, colleagues, some type of support base with the local politicians, and they understand what's happening with that particular um, culture. And what's happening, a lot of people don't realize that Pat Robertson and some of these other preachers, T.D. Jakes and all of them, um, they're invested in oil, diamonds, you know, precious metals, all of those things, in particular in Africa. And Africa is being carved up and divided. Now, they're going over there under the guise of preaching the gospel, and again, that's to exploit the people over there that are desperate and, you know, hopeless to a certain degree. And this is one of the reasons why you have, um, like, the Catholic Church, you know, still saying that birth control is evil and, and not wanting to give those people their HIV meds. Yeah, because they need ridiculous. a bigger labor force. Exactly. They didn't, exactly. They didn't even want them to have condoms when it first, when H, when uh, 
AIDS first started, you know, spreading out. The, the the church, the uh, Catholic church, didn't even want them to have condoms. Right. We've got to remember, and you're correct, Deborah, um, we have to remember that behind all of this, there is money to be made. But in particular, yes. you know, especially with the natural resources, when it comes, the one way to control a country is to control their oil and their water. And you yes. all saw the articles and the information that's been coming out lately, whereas they're trying to find a way to monetize the water resources, but that's neither here nor there. But you got to understand the business aspect of religion, you know, yes. and it's not the Protestant church but the Catholic church and, you know, also of Islam and all of that. They are making money behind this, and this is why they are fighting left and right. And now that they've tapped into quite a bit of the resources and tapped them out, really, in the United States and other first and second world countries, they're going to these poorer countries because basically, you know, they they need a new market. So we got to keep that. It's a business. It's a business, and as long as they keep people ignorant or ignorant enough that they can continue to control them, it will continue to perpetuate itself. And that's the reason why they don't like the fact that many of us are waking up and we're sharing and educating one another because we are tapping into their resources. Because if you look at the statistics, and I have to find the link and put it back up, but church donations in the United States have gone down dramatically. This is why you see churches shutting down. This is why you see them declaring bankruptcy. This is why you see some of them who had new churches built out, especially right before, you know, the mortgage bubble, that they weren't able to get the churches completely built out and they weren't able to move into the new edifices because money, you know, was tapped out. They didn't get all the money that they had, you know, anticipated because, again, this is a business. They use projection and forecasting software just like any major corporation. These people are sophisticated. I don't know why they don't see it. I mean, I mean, God ain't nothing without money. Just like, just like the European, the European wasn't nothing without the God. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think understand one of the why biggest problems, especially in the black community, is that these these pastors, in a lot of in a lot of ways, are doing doing even worse into the community than the drug dealers are, because they're selling mm-hmm. people something harmful, but they're they've convinced them that it's good. Yeah, they convince them that there is nothing wrong with saving or investing your money. That's what I want to get into. You should. I want to get into. You should just give it to me. I want to. I want to. I want to find out who has stock in the prescription drug company. Mm -hmm. I have quite a few of them. Oh yeah, I want to know exactly. I know. I mean, if you want to look into something, look into the golden parachutes that a lot of these pastors have. They have mm-hmm. their golden virtues, so when they retire or walk away, you know, they're going to be living a life of luxury, even more opulent than the one that they're living now. But, yeah. um, you know, you got to check into that. But, again, you know, um, what Emily and Deborah just said and, you know, Mario said earlier, you know, you all are absolutely correct because they are selling these people, because most of these churches are in economically and educationally disadvantaged neighborhoods. And what they're doing is they're selling them a bill of goods. But the most dangerous thing that they're selling people, and at least this is my opinion, is they're selling them complacency. They're selling them complacency, which kind of, you know, you use a Venn diagram, it kind of falls in place with politics. 
because, you know, they're telling them, well, God will make a way. Just go and vote for this person. They don't do right. Just leave it up to God. But these yeah. politicians are in bed with a lot of these ministers. And the thing is, is that that's the reason why the communities aren't being cleaned up in a way because they're not holding the politicians and the leaders, the business leaders, as well as the religious leaders in their community accountable. And that even extends to some of the civil rights activists in our community. Because, you know, they're getting away with a lot of things. You have civil rights activists that will protest things until the corporations pay them the lead, either pay them with a business or or um some type of networking that allows them to get businesses, you know, in certain areas. But once they get their pockets lined up, then they no longer want to protest that. But the problem is still persistent in our neighborhood. People need to start asking why. And sorry, Mario, go ahead, honey. I'm sorry. Oh, um, that was that was Deborah. But uh, while while I'm at it, though, you know the. the one of the biggest things that religion found to uh, be the carrot in front of the uh, uh, donkey, so to speak, was just hope. The human condition, the human experience, the, okay. the history of our societies and cultures and empires and everything, the misery of being living in this world, especially when you don't have much money or you don't have much clout, you're not in any of the upper and higher levels of uh, our society, Hope, man. You string people along with with it. You lead them by the nose with it, and you can be controlled by it. And religion found that niche, and you know, and really cemented it, and um, took full advantage of it. You know, and this is how you can get people to be completely okay with something as heinous as the the Inquisition, in which you can have entire towns worth of women nearly decimated. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. You have an entire book, The Witch's Hammer. You have this book written, and there are people who fully agree that, yeah, this is what we need to do. You mm-hmm. have people designing torture instruments. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's you not know? only that. It's one of those unjustifies the means things where you're so caught up in your religion that anyone that does not share your religious belief almost becomes less than human to you. You don't care about their sufferings. You don't care about their plight. Mm-mm. And as a result, you know, you have the world divided up. You have people that are born, being born into this world right now with instant enemies because they are they are Christian, they are Muslim, they are Jews, and there are two other groups of people who loathe them for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really, it's, it's, a, it's a really messed up situation. And I was, you guys brought up another contradiction I was going to bring up, um, omniscient, um, God supposedly sent Jesus to save us, but he sent Jesus to a place where only about 1% of the world's population was living at the time, which he should have known. Um, Israel did not have that many people at the time. It just didn't. Um, I don't know how you're going to spread this message when even the people that were alive at the time um, didn't, the resurrection was not recorded by any of the Hebrew scribes or the Roman scribes. So how are you going to, how is this supposed to, you should know that this is not going to be very helpful in the long run to spread your cause if we don't even have any record that he was ever there outside of the Bible. Right. Exactly. And it's not like they didn't write uh, back in that day. You know, they wrote, everybody wrote wrote on the walls and everything else. Mm -hmm. So it should have been something. 
you know, uh, 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 um, uh, what, what was it that, like, even the, the, the kings had a guy that would go to walk with him writing down stuff on a pad mm-hmm. wherever he went. Yeah, he has his personal scribe, and then there are the scribes that, like, write down historical events that happen in the town. Yeah. Um, you know, scribes that, that record the deaths and births of people. You know, they have some for everything. You had mm-hmm. um, you had story, um, you had storytellers that followed oral tradition. Um, th- those though weren't as effective because, especially when Europeans started invading the continent of Africa, those people died. Those legends and those stories died with them. Well, not well. I don't. I don't think. I don't see where when I when I read uh, uh, that uh, what happened before. What they did was just change the names. They changed it for their. They did, did like like take for instance like you said. Uh, what does that thing say? No images and and all this stuff and they, no great uh, images. Yeah. Uh huh. What are we doing? I mean, <laughs> you got the cross. You got pictures of Jesus. You got all of that. And I asked a, a, a guy one time. He said, "Well, that meant no other images but ours." <laughs> you can you can find you can find a way to you can find a way to justify anything. They changed, you know, like even when they talked about the blood of Jesus, blood. Okay, that was very important back then. You know, different things uh, that 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 was practiced in the Bible was changed up for the Bible, but borrowed from the ancient uh, uh, spirituality. You know, I just want to get this off my chest now that you mentioned blood. It's something that's bothered me for years. I think we've all heard the song, The Blood of Jesus. Um, mm-hmm. You know, who can wash away our sins? Nothing Go but girl. the blood of Jesus. Jesus. You know that one. I just right. want to put this out there right now. Blood mm-hmm. is a very poor cleansing agent. Please <laughs> don't wash yourself with blood like right now. <laughs> just stop. <laughs> Right. I like that. Right. I like that. <laughs> yeah. So I, like I just that. want to put that out like there. It. It's not going to clean anything off, especially not your sins. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's Lever 2000 at the store. You can use that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. 2,000-year-old <laughs> blood, you know, I'm not quite sure, you know, uh, if it would pass today's test. We had to get it tested and figure out what's going on with this person. It's just, it's, you know, why is it that... The God of the Bible is so bloodthirsty, but yet he mm-hmm. tells you not to kill. Everything requires a sacrifice. So, you know, not only sacrificing the animals, but then he sacrificed his son, you know, which, you know, human beings are animals as well. But even to yeah. this day, you know, they're telling people to sacrifice themselves, sacrifice their lives. You know, um, you know, the ones, you know, scripture talks that talks about I am crucified with Christ. And it's just it's interesting because, you know, you're supposed to give up everything. You're supposed to think as though you were a child. You're supposed to give up all semblance of, you know, common sense, critical thinking, all of these things. And yet the leaders, you know, in these particular religions, you know, they're supposed to think for everybody. See, so you're thinking too hard right now because in Proverbs <laughs> it says it says 
to rely rely not on thine own understanding, but out of yeah. every word that exits the mouth of God. You are just thinking too hard, Kim. This is where all the stress is coming from. If you would just let go and let God, you wouldn't be in this situation. <laughs> okay. And, and, and that's the truth. And I used to tell people all the time, why is it that the only people getting rich are basically the pastor and his cronies, his inner circle? Mm-hmm. Just let Jesus take the wheel. Just let Jesus mm-hmm. take the wheel. That's pretty that's much right. what they're telling you. Like, let go, let God be complacent, let us run your life for you, and, and pay us 10% of your income for the day you die for the favor of telling you how to live. This we See, don't we don't let, we're we're going to let Mario Please. drive a bus if he has his CDL. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, pray, pray until something happens. Yeah, right. Push. Pray until something happens. There's another one that I used to um, read all the time. What does it say? Um... Uh, um, oh, I don't remember. It, it 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 was very reminiscent of one of those ads from back in the day. No, this is what I saw. It was it, it looked like a from far away. It looked like a shirt for Reese's Pieces, but um, it said King of Peace instead of like Reese's Pieces on it. Mm-hmm. Oh, but, yeah, nice. they 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 use they use like popular like candies and okay. other advertising stuff. Other advertising gimmicks to like promote God, right? Yeah, oh, huh. but you know, let Jesus take the wheel, let go, let God, and you know, it's that moment when you stop thinking critically and you stop um, trying to find solutions in your life. I think this is the moment that so many Christians um, falsely believe is that moment of peace and clarity, when it really is the moment that they've just given up, right. Exactly. You're like, oh, I have such peace now. I have such calm in my heart because God is running my life. No, you have such peace and calm now because you're not, you are not giving serious thought to the real issues in your life anymore. Exactly. Right, right. And see, and that's where the conflict comes in for me because, you know, they're no longer giving, like you said, serious contemplation to what's happening in their real life. And, you know, because they've become so, you know, spiritually minded that there are no earthly good, right? And basically, this is where some of the conflict comes in for me because this is something that I've seen firsthand, is that once they start, you know, um, doubting, if you will, their religion or start thinking critically in some areas of their lives outside of the religion, then this is where some of them get confused because they have become so deluded by what they have been taught and have been told all these years that, you know, the ways of the world, anything secular, is evil and bad, once some of them do come out of religion or start doubting or start seeking some type of answer, they don't know where to turn. Mm-hmm. Many of them do you not know where to turn. Because you, you have alienated yourself from so many yes. parts of everyday life, even cut off your cut yourself off from parts of your own humanity, like your sexuality, exactly. your critical thinking, some of them, even their parenting. They have sacrificed their children. Yes. They have sacrificed relationships. They have sacrificed money. They've sacrificed sexuality, community, yes. everything to 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 devote all their time and energy to God and to their church. There's so exactly. many, people, especially Black Christians, that spend more time and uh, on at church or on church events and they do with their own families and at their own jobs. It's like a second or third job. 
Exactly. But see, this is the thing. And this is where the disconnect comes in for me, you know, because, you know, I've seen it firsthand and I've dealt with this somewhat. But this is where the disconnect comes in. So when they're trying to transition out or at least trying to kind of clear up some of the fog, you know, that they're walking through and get a better vision and get a better understanding of what's happening around them, you know, and then you have the secular community. And you know what? There's a disconnect there. There is a disconnect. There is a gap there. And this is the reason why I say, how are we going to bridge that gap? You know, what exactly are we offering? Because when these people come up out of religion, you know, and they start seeing, you know, the oxymorons, they start seeing these paradoxes, you know, the paradox. They start seeing all of these different things, and they're confused. And they're like, you know, what do we do? Where do we go? How do we get there? And this is why I feel that there's a segment of us and there's, you know, an opportunity for us to bridge that gap and to basically have a relationship with, with, you know, I don't know. It, it has to be a better way. But go ahead. You know, um, I feel like um, a lot of times in the free thinking community, we say sometimes um, too quickly that, you know, X, Y, Z, theist is stupid. Sometimes it's yeah. sometimes it's not. Yeah, I never so say what that. People, what people need to understand about religion is that, when and was like, like I was joking before, let go and let God. It is a very real thing where you let go and just let your religion, and just let your your religion or your church home make all of your decisions for you. Base all of your decisions on the Bible so that you don't have to think too hard. And it can be a mm-hmm. very comfortable way to be, always mm-hmm. having always having someone else make your decisions for you, or never having to think too hard about anything um, based on how, your own feelings or your own rationale. Right. It can be a very you know, comfortable I, I, way to be. So when that person has lived that way for so long, the when you're yeah. talking to them as a free thinker and you're trying to you're trying to you're you're trying to have a provocative discussion with them and ask them thought provoking questions, mm-hmm. the the I just the act of having to think more deeply about their religion yeah. than they have in years can be very frightening. So the person just says, No, 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 you know what? I have my faith. I have my faith and that's all I need. You know I Go ahead, Mario. I, I, Go ahead, babe. I, I never, I never try to question someone's intelligence simply because they believe something I don't. Well, well, well. Depending on what it is, that Illuminati shit. You know, some of that, some of that stuff make me question. But you know, you know, it, you know, I know a lot of a lot of people who do believe in God and everything like that, but who are still pretty small in the ball and doing a lot better, a lot of things than a lot of people I know. You know, they just believe. I know a lot of atheists who really are into astrology. You know, um, it just seems like we always have something. We always need something to believe in, and um, one way or another. You know, secular community. Our whole thing is we don't believe in any of that stuff. So a lot of people right. do need that kind of. I need something. Give me something. Exactly. Give, give me something to work here. You know, I exactly. don't. I've never. Go ahead, hon. I'm sorry. No, you go ahead. Yeah, no, and that's the reason why, you know, I say that there's a disconnect there, and we have mm-hmm. to find a way to bridge that gap because there are right. a lot of, you know, extremely intelligent people in the religious community, but, again, it goes back to, to, to tradition and, you know, habit and, you know, rituals, 
And, again, this has been passed down from generation to generation to generation, you know, faith and belief and all of that and hope. And, again, I also believe that a lot of the fear has been passed down. Right. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, when we we had slaves were first brought over to the Caribbean and to the Americas, Christianity was literally beaten into their backs. Of course they're going to tell whatever offspring you have that they need to cling to God because not doing so met that person's life. God wasn't going to come down and smite them, but what the master would do was much, much worse. Right. Yeah, exactly. But in addition to that, any time... you know, certain entities wanted to use, you know, whether it was white supremacy or patriarchy or entitlement or privilege, they used and wielded the Bible as a weapon. Exactly. And found exactly. scripture, right, justify it. And, and and so this is why it's been indoctrinated, it's been ingrained, it's intrinsic in, you know, many of us. And, you know, you have to deprogram yourself. I'll tell anyone in the heart, I'm still deconverting. Because it yeah. is so much a part of our culture. And Sometimes when I say this culture, I'm talking about the American culture, thinking. not necessarily the black community, but the American culture. What did you say, dear? I said sometimes you just catch yourself caught up in some really ridiculous rationale or logic, mm-hmm. some, some you know, lingering leftover religious ideology, and you're like, what? That makes right. no sense. Like, why am I still thinking this? But you exactly. know what when I was a little girl, I was—I don't know—I don't know what happened. What 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 happened? Why I've never gotten indoctrinated in that? Because I never could stand—I never could stand getting even dressed up on a Sunday morning. I wanted to stay in the bed. But anyway, the point is that I would—I you know how we would—they would teach us stuff like, and my favorite one was, "The Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want." Mm-hmm. Okay. The more I said that, I said, "Hold up, I'm still wanting." It was it was just things just didn't make sense to me even as a child, you know. Right, but see, the thing is, is that why are you wanting? Because the shepherd is going to give you what you need, and you you can never need more than what you have been given. You should be satisfied. Satisfied. No, no. I've said this before. Yeah. It didn't work out that way. I said this before in past shows, but. I think a lot of it has to do with how church services are led. Um, being a member of the Catholic Church, and I, w- I was at a very progressive church, um, but um, Catholic hymns are not necessarily the same hymns sung, sung at Protestant churches. Um, there are mm-hmm. really upbeat ones. Uh, for the most part, most of them are very, very, um, very soothing. Um, they are like right. beautiful love songs to Jesus. Yeah. Right. Um, exactly. There was one that I used to that our choir used to sing all the time. And I was a member of the choir for for a few years, um, and it was called "Christ Be Our Light." Now this song had six verses outside of the refrain, but there were two right. versions of "Christ Be Our Light," the original one and the Easter Vigil one. And you know what? Sometimes just thinking about it, like, still moves me to tears because it was so, so beautiful when it was sung by the choir. You sung this, and you forgot all about all the contradictory stuff in the Bible and what an asshole God could be, and you just felt so connected to everyone. Yeah. Yeah, and, it, and it's meant to lull you into a sense of security, into a sense like that, of tranquility. Like, that's the real Kool-Aid. That's, that's the real Jesus juice right there. Like, that's the Kool-Aid. That's right. Everyone was sipping it. Exactly. Music is exactly. powerful. And, uh, go ahead, Mario, hon. Music is very, very powerful. You know, you can change the entire 
message that you're trying to send um, when it comes to, like, um, John Carpenter did the original score for the original Halloween 1978. Originally, that, that score was not in there. And it was a completely different reaction without that music. Adding in the music changed the entire way that the, you know, it music generates feelings, it generates thoughts, and it, it can either lull you into a sense of security and solace or it can amp you up. You know, a lot of people play dubstep and the heavy rock and roll when they're working out and everything. So you throw in all this music and all this upbeat music and you got somebody up here singing and looking like they're about to explode because of the pressure of their voice or something like that. Right. And people really get into that. People really feel that stuff. Yeah, I, I mean, the movie Saturday out. Night Fever, what people don't understand about Saturday Night Fever, the reason it was so successful was because of that, that soundtrack. And that was the first yeah. film that proved to everyone that a soundtrack can make or break a movie. Yeah. Exactly. And the same thing happens in the church. Why do you think in many churches everything is surrounded by the choir? You and the know, choir has the have... best singers possible. They don't just let anyone join the choir. You know, it's all about unity, and that's all nice, and it's all fun and games until someone mm-hmm. who can't sing wants to join the choir. Then they'll tell yeah. you to please sit down. God mm-hmm. God gives us all different gifts. That's what our choir does right, right, right. people that couldn't sing. <laughs> God blesses us all in different ways. Yeah. Right, right, right. And gifts come without repentance, of course. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's interesting, but, yeah, it revolves around the music program in the majority. I mean, pretty much all of the churches, because I mean, if you go and look at some of the mega churches, you know, you know, down there in Atlanta with Eddie Long, they started putting out CDs. You know, they have Vanessa Bell Armstrong and you know a bunch of different people putting out their CDs, the producing the CDs. Same thing with Creflo. Same thing you and even with TD Jakes. You know, he had Tremaine Hawkins singing, you know, Potter's House for him, and it, it revolved around the music. The difference between Eddie and, you know, TD and Creflo and some of the smaller churches is that they've become celebrity preachers. So people yeah. come out, they want to hear them as well, but they realize that, you know, the music ministry is, you know, somewhat the nucleus of most churches. You know, you have to keep especially people a, Especially the black church, because so many great singers, not just um, gospel singers, but even contemporary um, R&B and pop singers have come from the black church. That's right. A lot of the neo soul pop and 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 R and B singers, they the, the 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 church was their training ground. That's how they, that's exactly. where they learned to sing. That's where they developed their voice. And you know, I mean, T D Jakes has a lot of pull in the black community too because he hasn't been caught in a scandal yet, and he wrote a bunch of books or you know the same book twelve times. But right. um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, he's 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 very very popular. You read that bullshit. I only had to read the one. If you read them one, if you read one, you literally read them all. Exactly. I think he actually exactly. recycled an entire chapter, like word for word, in between books. Wow. Right. Exactly. See, you know, what gets me is, you know, a lot of people, you know, feel as though, you know, I'm kind of soft on, you know, Christians or what have you. And it's not that I'm soft on them or whatever. It's I'm just trying to be a little bit more compassionate and understanding, especially seeing some of the people they have to deal with on our side who can tend to be very terse and, um, you know, some of the stuff that some of these non-believers say can be a bit, you know, absurd. And but they're hurt, getting back you know, what they put out. Pardon? I just said 
uh, they doing to the others, you have them doing to the you. They're getting back what they have been putting out. Well, see, but yes and no. Yes and no. And the reason why I say yes and no is that, you know, again, there's a few squeaky wheels. Not everybody in the religious community has been spitting vitriol. Not all of them are homophobic. Not And, and when you're talking to someone, especially someone on the Internet, you don't know who that other person is. You don't know what their belief systems are, you know, or anything like that. But when some of the non-believers go on the attack, they don't care anything about that. All they're trying to do is prove that they have, you know, an, a superior intellect. And to me, it's, it's, it's deeper than that. It's not about being able to trounce the Bible with science. It's about, you know, appreciating a person as a human being. And taking that into account, because when I talk to religious people, you know, I, I don't, you know, assume that they all, you know, um, believed and supported the Crusades or the Inquisition. I don't believe that they all support, you know, the homophobia, mm-hmm. the transphobia. I don't make those assumptions. And I, I had to train myself not to do that, not to make certain assumptions. And what I try to do is have a one-on-one with that particular individual to kind of get an idea where their head is and, you know, what their mindsets are and deal with that person appropriately. But when we start making blanket statements and broad invectives and treating everybody the same, but yet we get upset when they do that to us. We're individuals. But, but, but a lot of them don't even know about no Inquisition. Exactly. Uh, so many Christians have failed understand? to read the Bible they don't know about the Inquisition. They don't know about the Council of Nicaea. And it is very disheartening but they don't to get into a religious the theological d- debate with someone who is ignorant about their own religion. That is the, the key factor to me. I don't mind not, talking not with same, someone who is bigoted or prejudiced or whatever as long as they are informed about what they're talking about. But, but I mean, again, call it doesn't preclude them being a person. And so, I mean, while they may not know a lot about the Bible, maybe they've only read, you know, read a couple of um, scriptures, and they may not know about the Inquisition. They may not know about the Crusades. They may not know about, you know, Martin Luther. They may not know about any of that. And there are a lot of, you know, non-believers that didn't know anything about that until they came over to this side of the fence, and we started teaching each other. We went out and started learning it ourselves because not everybody came into this knowing all of this stuff. Not everybody paid attention in high school and college. So, you know, a lot of people are being, you know, self-taught, autodidactic at this point. So just like we had to learn, I just feel as though we have to teach them and challenge them to go out and learn on their own. But that does not preclude the fact that that is an individual and that is a human being. And I just don't Mm -hmm. feel that, you know, that we should come down on them because there are certain things they don't know. Before you became a non-believer, did you know all of this stuff? I didn't. It was it was only when when the doubts were became too much for me that I discovered this. Right, and it is overwhelming. I mean, they dotted every i and and crossed every t, man. (laughs) That you know, all I'm saying is, you know, I don't care what what group of people you're talking about. It's never all. Right, I understand. Exactly. I understand that. I mean, you don't have all white people crazy, and you definitely ain't got all black people crazy. Some of them, right? Right. But you know, I mean, I understand that. But I'm saying, the 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 when, really, I never start a conversation about it unless they they come on to me. Right. I mean, I'm exactly. minding my own business, and all, and and we talking about groceries. 
and here they come. Uh, yeah. What church you go to? All right. I don't go to no church. Okay, that starts the whole thing. That used to bother me, but you really have to understand what it means, especially as a black person. That's right. um, it is not it is not it it really isn't presumptuous to assume that every black person you encounter is religious. It really is. Right. Even as a non-believer, I assume right. that the the average black person I meet is 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 a non-believer, is a is a believer, I mean, because it is just the norm. It is the overwhelming norm. Um, I wish it weren't that way, but it is. And if you see a black person that's not a Christian, that's because they're Muslim or they're black Israelite or something or like something. that. Something, yeah. But you know, you're going to find personally. that before you find the person that's that's an that's an atheist or an agnostic. Right, and but see, I've trained myself to not make those assumptions, you know. Um, but it takes time because I mean, there are other assumptions that I make, and I have to train myself out of making those assumptions as well. But you know, again, like I said, there is there is a disconnect there. There is a disconnect, and we have to find a way to kind of reach those people, but in addition to reaching them and trying to educate them and encourage critical thinking, you know, start getting those wheels turning again, you know, once these people, one thing I will say, some of these religious institutions, they do offer services to the community. And this is why, you know, I've been putting challenges out to the non-believing community because what exactly are we doing? Mm-hmm. Offering the truth. Mm-hmm. I well, mean, you can talk all day people, long, but you they, can, people, you people can like people to see concrete. Day, but they need daycare. They need food. They need these things that some of these churches offer. So it goes back to what exactly are we offering? Mm-hmm. You can tell, but you can't live on truth. The truth ain't going to take care of your children so that, you know, when you get off work, you know your kids are at the daycare. You can pick them up on the way home, you know, at a discounted rate. You know, it's, it's, something has so to be. So you said, are you saying that if if, if if they come over to our side, do you mean the church not going to allow them to get anything? Um, what I'm saying is in many churches, and I'm not saying all churches, but there are some churches that, yeah, I mean, well, that's true. There are, that's true. In some churches, if you are, excuse me, in some churches, pardon me. I was talking to, to my dog. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. I was wondering who was barking. Churches in some churches, you know, if you are not a member of that church, and they will not offer you services, you cannot get services. There are some things they have to offer you because you live in a zip code. Like if you have a food depository, if you live in a certain, you know, zip code or um, radius of the church, they have to give you the food as long as you sign up and they give you the bags of food and you walk away. But for certain things, like some of these churches have daycare and they only offer it to um, church members, in some cases, to the surrounding community. But what I'm saying is, you know, most of those things still are religious-based. And when these people, you know, because we've had people call up the show and say they continue to attend church because the church helps them with daycare. The church helps them with food to help them make it to the next paycheck. The church helps them with social services and all of these things. And that's the reason why they don't leave the church because this is the only place where they can find any type of assistance of that nature. So, again, you know, 
if they walk away from the church and they no longer have those services, who's going to help them? Exactly. But on the flip side, yeah. as much as atheists and free thinkers would want to help, we simply don't have access to the kind of money that churches are pulling in on a weekly basis. Tax that's true. That's true. Exactly. That's true. And and that's the reason why, you know, and that's true. We don't have access to the type of money that, you know, the churches are pulling in. But, you know, the way that I'm looking at it is, you know, there are alternatives. You know, we can work together, get the grants, you know, try to get the grant money in, create jobs, things that the churches aren't. And that's one thing that I've said about a lot of these communities where these churches reside. Why is it that they're not petitioning these churches out of their communities? Because the churches are sucking up all the tax base because they're not paying taxes on the portfolio of, you know, real estate that they own. And then they're in most cases they're getting free, you know, utility services. So they're getting, you know, next to nothing for gas, next to nothing for electricity. Many of them don't pay water bills because they are a 501c3. And, but in addition to that, they are not creating businesses in the communities in which they reside. And I'm like, you know, they're more of a burden to the community than anything else. So why aren't people petitioning them out of the community? Yeah, but that's something that would have to be done by the members of the church. And the overwhelming majority of church people will never, ever see the church as a hindrance, no matter how you spell it out. They will always see it as a help because these people are quote unquote saving souls. Yeah. That's the Lord's house. And see, exactly. most of the people You don't go against the Lord's house. He who goes against the Lord goes to most his own of the death. People, uh, and I noticed that when you listen to them now they're really targeting people who don't been on drugs. They're targeting them heavy now. And like, you have to understand when a person is is an addict, whether it was drugs or alcohol, it is very hard to quit cold turkey, and it's almost impossible not to replace that habit with a new one, whether it be what, a destructive habit or a positive habit. And, when and you have someone with an addictive personality, that is the best kind of person to convert. And see, they're not they're not they're not interested in the truth as much as interested in help. You understand what I'm saying? At, at, this is all I'm saying. They're more interested in belief than help, uh, than truth. Okay, mm-hmm. because that that's 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 where they're at, and I understand. I understand that. That's what I'm saying. But most people, like I'm saying, most people are, are at that mindset. Oh, you know, at that mindset of belief, they don't care nothing about no truth. Yeah, but God's word is the only truth. Playing devil's advocate huh? here. I'm playing devil's what? advocate. I said God's word is the only right. truth. That's what they tell these people. God's okay. word is the only truth, so I don't need book learning. Who needs that? Like, um, I don't need to know anything that's not in the Bible. It's not going to benefit me. It's not going to save my eternal soul from damnation. And I just, found out, I just found out today that we don't bury criminals. We don't? You know what? We don't bury criminals. Who's we? A church? Yeah. Y'all heard um, about Some don't. I know that the Catholic Church doesn't bury um, people who have committed suicide. It's considered the unforgivable I can't believe sin. I didn't know that. I, you know you know this thing with the guy who did the Boston thing? Yeah, and, he did the Boston. Um, and they, they've been trying to get him buried. And it's somewhere here near me in uh, Doswell, Virginia, some lady paid for it to be buried somewhere that nobody knows about, and 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 I mean they're upset here. 
The, even the Muslims, they're upset. I didn't know that. No, those, those people are always pissed off about something. You mean man. to tell yeah. me all these burying grounds out here, all these people, all these big, you mean nobody's in there that's a criminal? Uh, you trying to tell me that? Well, yeah, and like uh, I said, the Catholic Church, the Catholic Church um, does not bury anyone that has that's committed suicide. Um, what? Yeah, do you understand where that came from? You understand yeah. where the, okay, they came from the cult of circumcilians, and that was about 364 A.D., if you will. Um, and it was a cult. It was, it was a suicide cult. And Wait, how hypocritical is that, man? That's hypocritical. I, I, I didn't, for real. Well, I'm trying to explain to you where it came from. Damn. Go ahead, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Mm-mm-mm. You're saying, Kim? Right. And that came from the Circumcilians. And basically, that was about 364 A.D., and what happened is they had, you know, these suicide cults. And so what they would do is throw themselves off a cliff or they would accost people, you know, that were traveling. And basically they would, you know, have these big, you know, sticks and what have you, and they would beat people and cause those people to want to kill them. So if they weren't going to commit suicide, they would antagonize, you know, the people mm. enough to make them kill them. And what happened was too many people were dying, and then that's when the Catholic Church declared suicide as a sin because it became, you know, people thought that they were being martyred if they committed suicide. It was a big cult. But anyway, I just thought you all would like to know where that came from. Also, I I believe that um, the Catholic Church still doesn't bury non-Catholics. One of the biggest uproars about this was following the death of the artist Michelangelo, he spent four years painting the Sistine Chapel. He had his neck craned back the way a person does when they're looking up. And he had his neck craned back that way for several hours of the day, every day, for four years, to the point where when he finished painting the Sistine Chapel, he had crippling, debilitating neck, shoulder, and back pain and spent um, his remaining years in horrible agony. And when he died, the church refused to bury him because he was not a Catholic. Well, what wow. do they do with the body? What 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 they do with the bodies? Well, it got buried by someone. I believe his brother buried him, but he it didn't he didn't have um, a ceremony, and he had an unmarked grave. Um, and you know, this is the kind of thing I'm thinking about. You 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 used him for his art, but because he didn't believe what you believe, he's not worthy of the dignity of a proper burial. Wow. So. It's it's one of those many, many disturbing things. And then later on, they they took a lot of his statues and a lot of other statues they commissioned by other artists that they thought were too graphic, and they either covered them with sheets or they chiseled off the genitals so that it wouldn't be um, offensive or arousing to anyone. Wow. You've heard of the Anabaptist? Mm -mm, No. Mm No. Uh, basically, you know, they started out in the 16th century after Luther. You know, uh, um, they basically Anabaptists um, basically meant to be baptized again because uh, you know they they believe they didn't believe that uh, um, 
they kind of didn't like the idea of baptizing the, you know, someone at birth because you didn't have a choice in the matter. Mm-hmm. So, um, so you know, they they required that you know you're able to make your own confessions and stuff like that. And you know, the the main church didn't like like those people, and they had a hard time of it. Um, like one of the things they did was they tied three guys to a stake, and um, they had to watch. They, the other two had to had to watch the other one be tortured to death, and it took at least an hour for the guy to die. And if he passed out while he was being tortured, that time was added to his torture time. So one, oh, wow. two and three had to watch number one die, and then number three has to watch number two die. And so he knows what's going to happen with him and everything. And I just thought the whole thing was it was incredible because it um um. A good show that you should listen to, and uh, his last uh, his last show was really detailed a lot of the uh, Lutheran um, situation and um, how uh, this entire sect kind of took what Luther Luther had uh, did and read and ran ran all kinds of crazy with it. Um, is Dan Carlin's hardcore history, and um, he has a lot of good stuff on on, on a lot of stuff. Wow. Wow, their history of religion is so incredibly bloody. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It takes us back to where we started, talking about the blood sacrifice. Hypocritical. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Um, But, you know, again, they're just falling in the footsteps of God. Um, I think um, one of the, the, the things that, God did in the Bible that really gave me cause for pause. I don't remember who this man was, but he had died, and um, and I believe he had gone to heaven, but an angel gave him a tour of hell, and he goes to God, and he says, God, my brothers are wicked, they're evil people, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, I, need, I need you to let me go back to earth so I can warn them. So that they will repent of their evil ways And God says Oh no 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 that's not going to work But I'm thinking to myself If my dead sibling came back to warn me To fix my life I would Yeah You know Yeah. It's a little bit like Huh do you not want these people to be saved God Yeah Right Right Right. (laughs) It doesn't make any sense Pardon I would just say, yeah, it does, you know, it doesn't make don't, sense. You're on, Rena. Oh, hey, guys. Hey. Hi. <laughs> okay. Um, I just wanted to make a comment about something that was said about um, proper burial. And, and this is something that I think that, um, you know, we should be skeptical about um, because there's lots of different methods that were used to bury the dead or treat dead bodies all across the world and I think that part of I think that part of the I think that it's an issue that we that you know we should think about ourselves you know and and question um this idea that the body is sacred and needs to be treated a certain way when it's dead like what is a proper burial you know if you are no longer I mean you know we give particularly in the sciences we we treat the body as though it's still living because we know that there's a history of abuse you know of of people's bodies and there's a history where people stole bodies and you know did things against people's wishes you know what i right. mean and right. i do think that you should 
honor people's wishes to the greatest extent possible. But I think that there, I think I do think that there's a problem when we think about the body as as being particularly sacred, you know, in this way, um, because you know there was a time where you would just bury your family in the backyard, and there's really no real reason that one can't do that, except think- that there was a change in our thought patterns you know, around the time that we started with the creation of the living room. It actually mm-hmm. used to be the parlor. <laughs> mm-hmm. And in the parlor, you actually would keep your dead body, your, your dead relative in the parlor on ice, and people would visit them and, and all of that type of thing until that person could be buried, usually on a family plot on your own land. They never, you know, they didn't, they not never, but it wasn't always, a thing that we had to preserve bodies and have this huge, you know, sort of funeral industry, you know what I mean? And I just think it's, I just think it's something interesting to think about, not to say that, you know, you're wrong if you want to bury your, your relative or whatever, but it's just something to think about. I think what I, what I was, the point I was trying to get across when I said proper burial was um, in terms of the family. No, no, I wasn't, I'm, I'm not arguing against anything you said. I was just saying it brought up something to my mind. Um, oh, I got you. But, yeah, I yeah. mean, um, after all of that, you know, his family wanted him to, his 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 funeral to have ceremony to honor the life that he had and all the contributions that he made to the Catholic Church, and they kind of just, like, said, oh, well, he's not one of us, so move along. <laughs> Well, I mean, if you're expecting the Catholics to do things that make sense, I mean, you know, hold, don't hold That's your breath. That's true. I mean, <laughs> That's true. You know, I mean, <laughs> don't get me wrong, whoever's listening, I am not a bigot. I'm just saying, like, when you have a Catholic church that excommunicates a mother and child for aborting the the the, the twins that her nine-year-old daughter is carrying from her from the incestuous rape of her from her father. Oh God, I remember you know that. I, mean? I remember and that you, a few years and ago. And you excommunicate the mother and the child, but you don't excommunicate the father. And you oh, no, never they excommunicated excommunic- the doctor too. They excommunicated the no, doctor. No, 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 not the. I, no, I know the doctor. I meant, but I'm saying the father. They didn't excommunicate the father. They never have excommunicated one priest that's been proven to be a pedophile and to have abused their powers. In, in raping and sexually assaulting children, but they 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 execute rape victims. Yeah. Well, you have to understand, and I'm not, I'm no not, I'm, you, you know, I, I'm, I don't approve of this, but they're yeah. remaining consistent with this legacy of condoning and even encouraging child abuse. It's a well, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not disputing that. I'm just saying if we're waiting on them to do things that make sense, it's not going to happen. Yeah, I, I, I stopped holding my breath a long time ago. As soon as the Pope said condoms cause AIDS, I think I just turned a deaf ear to everything. Yeah, yeah. I, it yeah, really it's was pretty ridiculous. It was more than, this was around the time that I was having a crisis of faith. Hearing these kind of things did not help um, restore my, my, my faith in the Catholic Church, you know. I have a lot of religious friends that said, oh, did something bad happen in the church? But, you know, I was lucky enough to be a member of one of those Catholic churches that didn't have financial scandals, didn't have sex scandals, didn't have pastors sleeping with people's wives and kids. Um, that and you know of. Right. Exactly, exactly, that I know of. It wasn't right. my church. It was the church as a whole that really made me stand back in disgust. And when the things that you're doing are creeping through the grapevine, trickling down through the grapevine, not even trickling, but like rushing through like like a dam, 
of just inexcusable injustices and abuse of power, you can't you can't make excuses for it after a certain point. Right. You can't say and over and individual. over and over and over again it's been shown that it's not like individuals. It's it's the organization itself. The organization is so devoted to protecting itself that it's willing to act in 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 my opinion and, and I think in you know in any other circumstance if they weren't a church, they would be treated as criminals. Well, exactly. They would be treated well, as criminals. Know, like any said, anyone who was who was who was engaging in in the cover up of 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 you know children being raped and sexually assaulted at at the at the level that mm-hmm. that has happened in the Catholic Church, moving people around and covering mm-hmm. it up and you know intimidating people. You know what I mean? They're they've clearly abdicated all of their moral responsibility. Well, like I say all the you know time, I mean? the Catholic Church is the world's largest fraternity and most powerful mafia. Yeah. They they operate like a fraternity and they have the money and organization of a mafia. Understand most fraternities and anyone that has ever been involved in Greek life will tell you this, will do just about anything to 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 help and to cover up um, you know, crimes that their frat brother has done. Mm-hmm. Um they are they are united for life even if they don't see each other. If they're networking and you say, hey, I was in this and this frat, that automatically puts you at a greater advantage than anyone else in the room just because you guys are part of the same fraternity. They have so much money, they have so much power, and that is a very dangerous combination, especially when so many priests have not only covered up abuse, they have called out and excommunicated those who have put the abuse in the forefront. Those who refuse to go along with it and cover it up and hush it up have been labeled as enemies of the church. There's a priest yeah. in Uganda hey, right uh, now who's under fire for exposing child abuse. Yeah. Hey, yeah. hey uh, uh, we're down to the last few minutes of the show and everything. So, Kim, do you have, have any announcements you want to make? Mm, that's a real good question. Announcements, real quick. Basically, no, I can't think of one. <laughs> no, why don't you just announce oh, the next no. couple of shows, Kim? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, our book, we're going to do a book club, everybody. So that's coming up the last week of June, and the first book on our agenda is The Bluest Eye. But I can give you a few other books that we're going to be reading, The Bluest Eye, we're going to read Uncle Tom's Cabin because we some people are just real confused about that book. I love um, that book. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to talk about the new Jim Crow by Michelle Alexander. Uh, oh, Sister oh. Citizen by Melissa Harris Perry, and a host of other books. You know, we'll be posting that this Sunday. I'll be talking oh, about man. books that have been yeah, black women stereotypes and victimization. Um, the Sunday after that, we'll have Dr. Chris Cameron on the show, and we'll be talking, or well, Dr. Chris Cameron, and we'll be talking about um, African Americans and free thought history and just free thought history in general. Um, we have an upcoming show in which we'll have the Reverend Xavier and Anti-Intellect on the show and a whole bunch of goodies coming up. So, guys, you know, just stay tuned. If you go out to the page, you'll see at least five you know, upcoming shows listed, and we're just really looking forward to the future. We're going into our third season, 
And, again, I thank each and every one of you, you know, for the support. I appreciate it. Okay. Any any of y'all wrote a book? Any of y'all wrote a book? Not yet. (laughs) Not a pre-picking book. I'm thinking about it, too. So y'all did did the books, but the book club is basically going to be very serious books. Okay, great. Well, well, oh, this is unrelated. This is unrelated. I was talking about your book club. They are going to be serious books, right? Well, I mean, like I mean, I mean, not all of them are nonfiction. I mean, she she talked about um, Uncle Tom's Cabin, and we're reading The Bluest Eye. Both of those are fiction. Uh, and I mean, we also did a parable no series. We did a parable. We want to no do fantasy, parables, no horror. Well, if you, if I mean. If uh, we might read, I mean, we might. I, I might. I, I think we should read um, Kindred, and I think we should read um, what's it? Um, the Parable of the Sower. But I mean, I mean, I don't. I don't think that we'll just be reading like fantasy. Fantasy, like it should be fantasy with like a message. Fantasy with you know deeper. Oh, okay. I have a recommendation for your book just... actually. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever read The Darkest well, Child by Dolores Phillips. Um. Great book, and it would make for great commentary. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I, I guess that's. That well, I guess well, that's. The show. I mean, you would enjoy the parable of the sower, you know, Mario. I've already, I, I've already read it. I already, I already read it, but yeah. I really like. I really like, uh, you know, just fantasy and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But uh, yep, I guess that's the show for this week. You Are know, we wrapped um, up? Yeah. About that time already. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is random, but um, it's International Clitoris Awareness Week, and you know, not everyone is lucky enough to have theirs thanks to um, female genital mutilation. So, um, if you have some of your lady parts, be thankful for that right now. Yeah, I just want to get that out there. That's right. And May is National Lupus Awareness Month, and it's also National Black Mental Health Care Month as well. So where do you, you know, need that? Yeah, you know, can't forget those things. You know, especially the mental health care. You know, again, you know, encourage someone to um, get the help that they need and be a support to them. Yeah. Yeah. Most definitely. Okie dokie. Oh, well, you know what they say, a mind in a clitoris is a terrible thing to waste. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I guess they'll do it for um, this week and everything. Um, and um, I guess uh, we'll announce our next show. Um, it'll probably be on my page or Emily's page or what, whatnot. And Thank you to all our callers. We had a really yep. good time discussing That's with you. Exactly. Thank you. Get reacquainted with your clitoris this week. Go ahead. Uh-huh. <laughs> it, it you dirty demon, Kim. It <laughs> All right, I guess that's it. All right, now y'all have a safe weekend and enjoy yourself. All right, y'all bye, everyone. Have a good one. Happy Mother's Day to anyone. Thank you. Happy Mother's Day, y'all. Happy yes. Mother's. Yes.